Chapter Nine of the Lost Parchment by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Serious Position. Sitting on the floor in a grimy snowdrift of scattered papers and surrounded by piles of dingy books, Rupert stared at his cousin, scarcely taking in the purport of his words mallin appeared to be pleased with the expression of genuine bewilderment on the other man's face but did not improve the occasion by speaking immediately since the afternoon was oppressively hot he wore a suit of cool white flannel which made him seem blacker in his hairy looks than ever in the heavy yellow sunshine streaming through the dusty room his many jewels twinkled and shot fire scarf pin and studs sleeve links and rings near the door which he had closed the newcomer leaned against the many volumes filling the bookshelf with folded arms and crossed legs an odd and as it impressed hendel a sinister figure it was the squire who spoke next as he was not entirely sure if he had heard marlin's astounding question what did you say he asked almost mechanically you heard me right enough sneered the other john hindle's will ah i thought so none so deaf as those who won't hear well have you found it rupert john hindle's will repeated the squire greatly taken aback by this sudden display of knowledge on the part of his cousin yes don't pretend that i'm talking nonsense you know better hindle gradually collected his scattered thoughts and rose slowly to his feet then quite in a mechanical way he took out pipe and tobacco pouch i should like to know who told you he remarked filling the bowl you shall know mrs beetson told me and how did she know as women generally know things they are not meant to learn by eavesdropping you understand she listened to the conversation between you and the parson when he dined at the big house on the evening before his death he did dine with me admitted hendel seriously and he did tell me about the discovery of the will you mention but why did mrs beetson listen since she could not have guessed what he was going to speak about it seems to me rupert that you are asking questions whereas it is my right to do so however to make things clear i don't mind in the least answering you mrs beetson explained to me in excuse for her eavesdropping that you had told her of your approaching marriage with Dorinda, and she was afraid lest you should turn her out. I told her I wouldn't. Oh, did you? Then evidently she did not believe you, and hovered round the dining-room and drawing-room, hoping to hear anything you might say to the vicar on the subject. Lee hinted at some mystery he had to impart to you mrs beetson heard this remark through the open door of the dining-room and it aroused her curiosity when you went to the drawing-room she was outside the window drinking in every word 
Hmm, said Rupert, lighting his pipe. I remember that the windows of the drawing-room were open on account of the heat. She stole along the terrace, I presume. Yes, and heard every word, repeated Mullen significantly. In the first instance, you will understand that Mrs. Beetson only hovered round you and the vicar to hear anything connected with her possible dismissal. But when she grasped the fact about the will, she became aware that she had overheard a secret, which she could turn to her own advantage. For a time she hesitated whether to let you or me buy her silence. Then, thinking that I would get the money, she came and told me all about it. Hmm, said Rupert again, and very calmly. Rather treacherous behavior toward me, considering how kind I treated her. Treachery be hanged, burst out Mullen, leaving the wall and throwing himself onto a convenient pile of books, which afforded him a seat. She wanted to see me righted. She wanted a price for her secret, I think you said. Well, and why not? demanded the hairy little Timon, in a blustering way. It is only natural that you should wish to keep the secret, and only natural that Mrs. Beetson should try and make money out of telling it to me. I suppose it is, with some natures. So you are going to pay her? Yes, she's done me a good turn. I'll give her an annuity when I come to live at the big house. You are not there yet, said Rupert dryly. Now that he knew the worst, he was perfectly calm, and he had every right to be, since he had done nothing with which to reproach himself. I shall be there when this will comes to light, bullied Mullen fiercely. Naturally you wish to hide it. There you make a mistake interrupted the big man leisurely as soon as the will is found i shall take it to our family lawyers and have it looked into oh yes you say so now because you can't keep the secret any longer thanks to mrs beetson retorted mullen coarsely i never intended to keep any secret then why didn't you tell me as soon as lee told you because i hadn't seen the will and so far as it goes, I have never set eyes on it yet. It may be a myth, and it was useless for me to speak about it until I was sure that such a document was in existence. It is in existence, insisted Mullen uneasily. We have only the vicar's word for it. Oh, of course you say that. What else can I say? Listen to me, Mullen. Unpleasant as it is for me to lose my property, I am quite willing to surrender it to you without the intervention of the law. If the will proves to be legal, if it doesn't, of course I shall keep my own. But even this generous and reasonable speech did not appeal to the grasping hearer. You can do what you like, he replied doggedly. But if I don't get the property, I shall bring the case before a judge and jury. There will be no necessity for you to do so if the will is legal. Mullen sneered. I suppose you'll try and prove that it isn't. Certainly, retorted Hindle. Angered by this extreme selfishness, 
you may be sure that i shall do all i can to protect my own interests would you not do the same were you in my position the other shirked a straightforward reply as a selfish man would that is neither here nor there he snapped i want my rights you shall have them if you have any from what mrs beetson told me mrs beetson knows no more nor no less than i do interrupted the squire patiently she is aware that lee found or said that he found a will made by john hindle one hundred years ago leaving the property to eunice filbert and her descendants if such is the case and you are rightfully entitled to take my place well hubert shrugged his square shoulders and completed his sentence by waving his hand vaguely to the four corners of the room mullen scowled and tried to pick holes oh you can be certain that i shall claim my rights to the last farthing he growled savagely and rather annoyed by rupert's reasonable attitude naturally that is only fair i am not the man as you well know to keep what does not honestly belong to me but added hindel with emphasis the will has yet to be found it must be found declared Marlin violently that is easier said than done lee seemed to have mislaid or hidden it very thoroughly inspector lawson did not come across it and i can't lay my hands on it nohow and remember even when it is discovered the legality of it has yet to be proved if it is signed and witnessed properly i inherit shouted Mullen, doggedly and objecting as such an illogical man would to the mere shadow of a contradiction don't go too fast said the squire dryly there is such a thing as the statue of limitations oh is there and what deviltry is that a law which in most cases operates against the restoration of property devolving under a lost will found as this one has been after so long a period of time you talk like a book sneered Mullen uncomfortably for here was an obstacle which he did not expect to meet and you will take advantage of this infernal statue why not demanded rupert calmly would you not do the same under the same circumstances i prefer not to enter into any argument on that point said Mullen loftily it seems to be a silly law and what about not keeping what isn't your own if the statue of limitations acts in my favor the property would be my own answered the squire coolly hair splitting common sense and i would not have used such an argument but for your display of greedy selfishness me selfish how dare you Mullen fumed and fretted and made as though he would throw himself on his cousin hindle held out one hand to keep him off none of that Mullen. no violence or it will be the worse for you if it comes to physical tussle it will not be difficult for me to lay you on your back Mullen knew this so tried verbal bullying 
I order you not to address me in that insolent tone. Don't be a fool, man, and don't talk about insolence until you learn how to behave yourself. Everyone far and near considers you a most objectable person. Indeed, Mullen grew livid. And you? I am of the same opinion, replied Rupert, smoking placidly. If you were not Dorinda's father, I should have thrashed you ages ago. You shall never marry my daughter, gasped the other, panting with rage. Dorinda and I can afford to do without your permission. See here, Mullen, don't you think it's time you stopped playing the fool? I said before, and I say again, if the property is proved to be rightfully yours, as the descendant of Eunice Filbert, I shall not stand in the way. So the best thing you can do is to behave your silly self and help me search for the will. We can leave the question of my marriage to Dorinda alone just now, until the will is found, or is proved not to exist. You are well aware that no marriage can take place. And if the will is found and I am put in possession of the big house, no marriage shall take place, retorted the other, still fuming. On the other hand, if the will is found and proves to be illegal, what then will be your attitude? Even then I shall refuse to— Not you, broke in Rupert with a broad smile. You are too anxious to buy that blue sapphire you are talking about. If you want the five hundred a year that my marriage with Dorinda would put in your pocket, you will have to put your pride in the same receptacle. We'll see about that snarled Mullen vindictively, but in a more subdued tone, for he did not wish to cross the Rubicon too soon. The will has yet to be proved illegal. The will has yet to be found, answered the squire, thinking how difficult it was to hammer an idea into the man's obstinate head. Ah, Mullen's tone was significant. I am quite sure that it never will be found. Rupert opened his big blue eyes in genuine surprise. "'You seem to have changed your opinion,' he remarked after a pause. "'Just now you made sure it would be found.' "'Bah!' Mullen's pent-up rage burst forth anew. "'Do you think that I can't see through your pretended search?' "'Pretended search?' Hindle rose slowly, and towered above the stout little man like a giant. Explain what you mean. It's easy to see, snapped the other sulkily. Lawson could not find the will among the papers of Lee, and you will not find it. And why? Because it is already in your possession, and has been destroyed for all I know. Still, I don't understand, said Rupert, and his eyes grew hard as he began to have an inkling of Mullen's meaning. Lee did not give the will to me before he died. I dare say not. He had his own fish to fry, and would only have given it to you on getting your promise to finance his silly Yucatan expedition. You took the will from his dead body. Hindle's temper, long held in check, blazed up. He took two steps toward the gadfly, which so irritated him, caught Mullen by the throat, and flung him right across the room. You liar! 
he said in a dangerously quiet tone it's true it's true gasped his cousin struggling into a sitting position amid a pile of tumbled books do you want your neck twisted i dare you to do it shrieked mullen hysterically you daren't add one murder to another rupert sat down suddenly afraid lest his wrath should carry him too far and reined in his feelings with a powerful effort i think you are a fool and should be answered according to your folly he said with suppressed anger what makes you think that i did such a thing his cousin gathered himself together and smoothed his ruffled plumes but he still remained among the pile of books his fall had scattered as he did not wish to come within arm's length of hindle there he sat and grinned like an ugly little gnome anyone can guess your game he sneered venomously lee told you about the will and said it was here but i am quite sure of this he refused to give it to you unless you agreed to finance his yucatan expedition of course you refused and then came here in the dead of night to murder him and get the will bah i can see through your pretense of searching for what is already found you read my character according to your own base thoughts said rupert now quite self-possessed and what you say is wholly untrue lee told me about the will as mrs beetson informed you and she can bear witness that the vicar declared that he had mislaid the document i called to see him the next morning but he was away as mrs jabber can testify seeing mrs patter who was reported to be dying i then went to town to consult carrington oh you have brought that beast into it sneered Mullen vindictively i consulted him as to what was best to be done and he advised me not to see the vicar until the next day and then in his company carrington as you well know came down by the midday train for the purpose of seeing lee along with me but by that time lee was dead quite so and you killed him the accusation was so absurd that rupert merely shrugged his shoulders and wondered why he had lost his temper with this gadfly even for a moment i think you will find it difficult to prove that he observed suavely i did not see lee on the night he was murdered i did not even call the vicarage thanks to carrington's advice my servants can prove if you like to question them that i locked up and retired to bed at ten o'clock oh i dare say you did scoffed Mullen. but remember that lee was killed if dr tarlard is to be believed at eleven it was easy for you to slip out of the big house and come along to i did not rupert started to his feet again but maintained his calmness how can you prove that you did not how can you prove that i did counter questioned the squire mullen rose and brushed the dust from his flannels i shall leave lawson to find the proof he cried triumphantly oh yes once lawson knows that the will which would rob you of your property exists it will be easy for him to assign a cause why lee should have been murdered remember 
the papers were all tumbled about as kensick can witness the burglary business is all rubbish it was just to get the will that lee was murdered and you are the culprit hindle did not reply for a moment for so skilfully had the venomous little man built up the case that he was quite taken aback then he remembered how carrington had warned him that if the business of the missing will was known it was possible some such accusation might be brought thanks to mrs beetson's treachery mullen had been placed in possession of dangerous facts and mullen sooner than forego the chance of acquiring the hindle property was quite prepared to have his cousin handed over to the police not only was a strong motive for the murder provided but rupert knew that he would have the greatest difficulty in proving an alibi after ten o'clock all his own servants and the inhabitants of barship were in bed so it was perfectly feasible on the face of it that to protect his own interests he might have stolen through the village to commit the crime of course he knew very well that he had not that any idea of securing the will in this way had never entered his head nevertheless the position was both uncomfortable and dangerous and for the moment he did not know what to say mullen noted his cousin's silence and concluded that guilt prevented his speech you can't deny what i say he cried viciously i am too much taken aback by your audacity to reply or to deny retorted the young man drawing a deep breath knowing me as you do can you think me guilty of so cowardly a crime as to strike down an old man i think you capable of acting anyhow to retain your own property answered mullen cynically you judge me by yourself you might act so but i should not however it is useless to prolong this talk i now know that you are an envious and disappointed man and to get my money you are willing to go to the length of getting me hanged you shouldn't murder people you know taunted mullen believing that he was now top dog and could have everything his own way rupert passed over the accusation i suppose he remarked laying a trap for his foe that if i hand you over the property will or no will you wouldn't say anything to the police mullen's dark eyes gleamed with greed and triumph as he had not expected to gain so sudden a victory hindle had evidently surrendered without firing a shot yes he said eagerly after all i don't want to wash dirty family linen in public and it would be unpleasant for me and for dorinda to see you in the dock after all also the will leaves everything to me as the descendant of eunice filbert the will has yet to be found it has yet to be proved legal said rupert calmly and we are not even certain if this presumed will is not a figment of lee's brain lee could not have invented such a story said mullen doggedly and whether he did or not matters little the property is mine that has yet to be proved interpolated hindle quietly if you don't climb down it will be proved at the expense of your arrest for the murder threatened mullen 
i see rupert's lip curled with contempt and if i give you all i have you will condone a felony i don't care what beastly terms you use snapped mullen uneasily you know that it is in my power to have you arrested and in mrs beetson's also oh i'll make it worth her while to keep quiet i wonder how dorinda ever came to have so dishonorable a man for her father commented rupert reflectively i always knew you to be a bully and an avaricious animal but i did expect some decency take care raged mullen growing livid again i shall tell the police what i know if you insult me further it is impossible to insult you a man who has agreed to hush up what he proposes to be a crime cannot be insulted he is beyond the pale of decency i presume mullen that it never occurred to you that if i were weak enough to agree to your blackmailing that you could be arrested later as an accessory after the fact always supposing that i am guilty which i am not oh for your own sake you'll hold your tongue said the other confidently and mrs beetson can be squared i don't think she'll connect the murder in the will anyhow as i have done i see she is not quite so clever as you are well then if i hand over the property to you straight away and not bother about finding the will which you have already got and destroyed i see we'll let it go at that i am guilty and you will condone my guilt on condition that you get my money yes said mullen imputedly and you will take the risk of being proved an accessory after the fact yes because i know that you'll hold your tongue for your own sake of course you will keep mrs beetson quiet certainly she won't say a word if i give her an annuity and she is not likely to connect the will and the murder as i remarked before well well echoed rupert ironically i'm not taking any thank you mullen's face fell when he found that in the moment of his fancied triumph victory was suddenly snatched from his grasp you refuse i do go to inspector lawson and bring your accusation i am quite ready to meet it you'll be arrested threatened mullen i am quite willing to be arrested that's better than being in the power of a blackmailer you are mad you are quite mad you would like me to be but as it happens i am perfectly sane meanwhile until you have me locked up help me to search for the will mullen could not understand his cousin's attitude he had insulted him he had brought a vile accusation against him yet rupert coolly refused his greedy terms and evidently did not mind being in his company knowing how he would have cringed and agreed to anything under similar circumstances mullen at once sought refuge in a taunt i thought you were a man obnoxious animals such as you are cannot judge what is a man and what isn't my friend retorted rupert putting on his coat will you walk along with me toward the big house and discuss the matter further no hang you i won't as you please 
and your denunciation of me to the police? Mullen hesitated. I'll give you a week to think things over. Thank you, said Hindle gravely, and the treaty having been made, the conversation ended with victory for the squire, a victory won by sheer honesty. End of chapter 9